Welcome to A Match Made in Space. I'm Allie Goodman. And I'm John Walter. And we are a married couple showing each other the 80s movies of our childhood. Yeah, and this week, uh, Allie decided to uh, show me Girls Just Want to Have Fun from 1985, directed by Alan Metter, who also directed, uh, after this, Back to School, and then a bunch of made-for-TV stuff, and Police Academy Mission to Moscow, <laughs> some Olsen twins movies, and... <laughs> A Growing Pains reunion movie. So he's got a really amazing career. You know, one movie that I had ever heard of before <laughs> today. Um, it was written by Amy... Her name is spelled Spies, but it could be pronounced Spies or Spies. I don't know. Uh, let's just say Amy Spies. Uh, you know, and it's... Uh, you know, she's also... Uh, her other writing credits include 90210 and Melrose Place. Mm. Uh, and that's pretty much it. You know, and it stars uh, Sarah Jessica Parker and her eyebrows, uh, Shannon Doherty and her sloth eye, and Helen Hunt and her bird face, uh, as well as uh, veteran character that guy Biff Yeager, uh, veteran incredibly annoying guy Jonathan Silverman, and not so much a veteran as uh, a guy who's acted in a few things, uh, model Lee Montgomery. Um, and... You know, a quick synopsis of this movie for me, I guess, uh, having just watched it today, is that Sarah Jessica Parker moves to a new school. She's kind of a, she's kind of an army brat, and she's just moved to Chicago, at you know the town we're broadcasting from, and she is excited to be there because she's a huge fan of a show called Dance Television, Dance TV, DTV, which is kind of a solid gold thing, and she wants to be a dancer on that show, and there is a contest, you know, for dancers that she enters. Uh, her father doesn't want her to be in this contest. Uh, she gets paired with this, you know, this guy who looks like a cross between Luke Perry and Joey Lawrence, you know, at, at, so at like a bargain a basement. Yeah. And basically their romance blossoms. The contest goes on. There's an evil, rich Veronica type. Uh, and, uh, in the end she gets to become, uh, you know, a dancer on television and Helen Hunt gets to become uh, a star on television somehow. Mm -hmm. And Shannon Doherty gets to somehow have billing on this box. And you know, she's <laughs> just a kid sister and is in maybe 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah, and that's pretty much the movie. Uh, uh, so good night, folks. Yeah. <laughs> so all right. So uh, yeah, it's um, those of you who <laughs> those of you who <laughs> were uh, Sarah Jessica. Okay, let's put it this way: those of you who were, who were young girls back in the day who used to follow Sarah Jessica Parker's career, you know, a little square People followed her career. Well, you know, before. she was square pegs. She was in. She was an Annie. Like she kind of had. She an was an Annie. Yeah, she was on stage in Annie. Oh, 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 not in the movie. Oh, not yeah, in the movie. Not uh, in the movie. Uh, oh, uh, little hint for people who aren't you, Allie. No one in America who isn't in theater knows about stage actors' yeah. careers. Uh, you know, in my head, it was like Sarah Jessica Parker was in Square Pegs, and then she did Flight of the Navigator, and then mm -hmm. she disappeared until L.A. Story, mm -hmm. and then she disappeared again until some show on HBO that she did for a few years that wasn't very good that, you know, and then, <laughs> and I don't know, and apparently women. she's married to Matthew Broderick or something. I don't really know. I, she disappeared, didn't she? She hasn't done she did not anything disappear. in years. Um, but know? anyway, we were big fans of this movie. Um, I remember we meaning we Allie. nine year old girls. Yeah, we, yeah. my friends, growing Me, up. Me, I never actually even heard of this movie uh, until you bought it in a bargain bin. Uh, mm -hmm. At the same time, I bought Commando. Actually, I think that's right. We yeah. did buy it at the same this time. This was the the impet impetus for us uh, making this podcast. Finally, making this happen. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah. So basically, you know, you you know, she she comes on the screen, and it's for. A nine-year-old girl uh, of a of the age at the time who loves to perform and dance and sing and do all those crazy things. This was like 
I mean, it was like nine year old wet dream for us. And uh, you know, let's let's be honest. Also, you you grew up in the Chicago area. Right. This this movie is is weird because it's it's like the Blues Brothers. It has a lot of exterior shots in Chicago, and it, you know, it's like. And like the Blues Brothers, it's geography of Chicago and the Chicagoland area is a little weird. Unlike the Blues Brothers, I'm not sure that anyone actually from Chicago was in this movie, even though, like, the shots are all up on. So, like, it is... <coughs> Excuse me. Night. Thank you. We, we, you. You didn't hit the sneeze button on here? Sorry about that. We don't have a sneeze button on here. <sighs> um, but um, essentially, like, that, that was the most baffling thing, is the movie begins with a, like, a an honest to god it's a city it's a skitty, cityscape shot of chicago that's clearly shot from i i'm guessing around the fullerton marina area yeah. era area if you're from chicago right and you can see the hancock building you can see lake point tower and navy pier yep. i used to work at lake point tower which is how i what i know what it's called but like you see the like this is chicago you see the drake hotel which is across the street from where we got married yep you know uh, you can actually see the park that our wedding photo, which is actually the cover photo of this uh, podcast, is taken in. So it's super Chicago. And then you have a cast of people that literally no one does a Chicago accent in this movie. No, no one. No. And we'll get into that later. Yeah. You know, like, like as, we, as we're introduced to our characters. So, you know, it's okay for Sarah Jessica Parker to not have this. Because, again, she's apparently an army brat, even though her father... Talks in military terms, but doesn't seem to actually have a military job. No, she says he's retired. Oh, is he retired? She says that right, right oh. at the beginning. Oh, I missed that. I was probably still rolling my eyes at, uh, you know, the 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 way the movie begins after this shot is, it's a shot of literally the least sexy room full of Catholic schoolgirls <laughs> like you will ever see. Like, like if you've ever had a Catholic schoolgirl fetish... This movie does its best to disabuse you of that idea. Mm-hmm. Like it is the just this room full of just sad, depressing. Even the like the famous actresses in this who are arguably supposed to be pretty, although I I'm not one to judge. I'm not. I've decided I am not going to do the traditional thing of talking about how Sarah Jessica Parker is not particularly attractive to many men. Uh, you know, and she's somehow like considered very attractive by others. I'm not going to go into that. I don't find her attractive. That's not the important thing. The important thing to realize with her is just that her eyebrows are out of control in this movie. They are like 48-year-old Morrissey eyebrows. They, you know, like, it's insane. I know it's the 80s, and we were, you know, Madonna made it cool to have eyebrows around this time, but, like, these are bushy. Like, I can't grow eyebrows that bushy, and I'm near, I'm a nearly 40-year-old man who, you know, has a unibrow, and my eyebrows are not that bushy. I can, but I'm Jewish, so, you yeah, know. But, you know. And, uh, wow, you just threw me, you threw, <laughs> you threw me with this. Yeah. Now I, I'm afraid, I'm afraid now to say something that might be anti-Semitic and now I, I don't know what to say. It's okay. I'm, okay, allowed, no. to, I'm allowed to talk about it. So it, begin, people, it begins right? with like what appears to be, it looks like a stew room shot from a reality show. It's not, mm-hmm. but it, it's filmed that way of Sarah Jessica Parker answering a question that she's been asked about what she's like because it turns out she's the new student and does a lot of shots of her feet, like almost Tarantino level shots of her feet. Yeah. But it's clearly foreshadowing because she's doing and I don't know the name of the pose but she's as she's nervously lifting one foot it's into a ballet pose and I wrote down in my notes before and I, I knew nothing about this movie when I started watching it nothing I wrote she's going to be a ballet dancer right <laughs> in my notes <laughs> you know and within two seconds she talked about how she liked to dance and she was excited to be in Chicago because dance TV this it's this incredible dance fever slash solid gold ripoff you know for anyone who's old enough to remember the 80s that's that's what this show is and you know and it and then, like, you know, the credits run while she's, like, in class do it, telling the story. Like, the names go by. And Helen Hunt is in the back of the classroom, and she does not give a fuck. Like, I will say this. I'm not a huge Helen Hunt fan either. 
you know, I've never really seen much she's been in that I've been delighted by, but the level of not giving a damn. Oh, she's funny she, in this movie. That, uh, I won't say that, but she does <laughs> She does not give a damn really well. And yeah. like she, the beginning of this movie, she, you see her cutting out like a school picture of herself and trying to, and this is the weirdest thing because I've never seen a movie where a woman has this fantasy really ever. She's pasting her picture, not next to David Lee Roth of Van Halen, but over David Lee Roth because she wants to be Diamond Dave. You know, she doesn't want to be with him, which I thought was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. That's actually, you know, it's it. I, I like that, you know, like, it's not just, she doesn't want to be a groupie. She wants to be a star, you know, which is kind of awesome, uh, you know, and yeah. She, Foreshadowing. Yeah, you know, and, you know, and then, um, like, I, like, my observations watching that, it, like, as, as someone who lives in Chicago, it was really kind of fun to see a bunch of those external shots of her in Chicago because it's just, a, like, um, not her, but, like, the scenes of Chicago, because you, you see, like, wow, the CTA had even shittier buses in the <laughs> 80s than they have now. And, so true. You know, you get to see all the, like, like, it. Chicago is very different now, but also very the same. And it's, like, this this movie is kind of a midway point between my Chicago that I moved into moved to when I was in my late 20s and the Blues Brothers Chicago I grew up, like, on TV with. You know, like, you know, there's a lot, there's more buildings, you know, but there it's still this, you know, it, it's just kind of fun to see a town that I, you know, for a decade I lived in downtown Chicago and, you know, it's it's fun to see, like, the 80s-ness of, mm-hmm. of Chicago and see how, how very 80s it could be, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, and as the credits went on, I remember going, oh, God, Jonathan Silverman's in this. And I don't know why, for a second I was excited, and then I remembered I've never seen Jonathan Silverman in anything where I've really been liked him. Right. So I don't know why I was excited, you know. And then uh, and, and uh, when we were watching it, I was like, oh, my God, Chicago. I, Allie said, I kind of forgot this takes place in Chicago. Yeah. All I could say was, uh, Allie, everything in the 80s took place in Chicago. Yeah, there, you was, know, a, like, there and, was a long... Like, Allie got to grow up in a John Hughes movie. I did. And we kind of live in a John Hughes movie now, although it's not nearly, like, it's more of a really crappy John Hughes movie now. You know, yeah, not... we only have one guy with, a, with like, a shaky cam. Right, yeah. Basically filming us on, on a regular basis. Right, and, uh, like, within a few minutes, like... Helen Hunt, super 80s girl in this uh, that she was. And she was a girl then. She was only like 22, even though she looks older than I look now. Yeah, she really does. Like, like Helen Hunt was born 45. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like she was, she's always been 45. You know, it's like she looks exactly the same as she did in Mad About You. Exactly the same as she... Like, kind of think of it, that ABC After School special where she takes Angel Dust or whatever and jumps out the window in the early 80s. I think she looked 45 in that too. <laughs> So she's apparently there's a picture of her that's just getting older and older and older, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, but she's always going to be 45, you know, and uh, but uh, she immediately says uh, she, she immediately like they, they get on the bus and she immediately starts changing like right in front of like Sarah Jessica Parker. That's how apparently they become besties is because Sarah Jessica Parker hides hides her from the rest of the bus so she can change out of her Catholic uniform. And she says immediately she talks about Velcro and how. That, the Walkman, and Tab are the greatest inventions of the 20th century. And I'm like, we are in deep 80s Oh, yeah. Right now. You know, like, you've I, stuck your hand into a hole. Oh, and, and you this are movie like, is so 80s. Yeah. It, 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 it is, it is it, in, in the way that Commando is so 1985 as an action movie, this is so 1985 as like a teen culture movie. Yeah. 
Like, I don't think this movie could have been made after 1985 or before because it's like it's got this perfect crappy balance of lame Hollywood punks, lame Hollywood metalheads, mm-hmm. lame new wave. Those will come up. Like, lame, I guess it, it's not really hip-hop because, you know, this is white America and, you know, hip-hop didn't exist until they we put guitars on it and Run DMC and Aerosmith played together for right. people. You know, so, you know, nobody nobody was paying attention to Africa Bambata. <laughs> I've got probably pronouncing it wrong. That's how white I am. You know, nobody's paying attention to that back then. And so Helen Hunt starts changing into basically like what appears to be a Bruce Springsteen outfit. <laughs> She's like, you know, this shirt, like sleeveless plaid vest, you know, and she and, you know, and she's like, oh, you're going to miss D- DTV, you know, but that's OK. I'm babysitting. We can go to that house. And they've got a 25 inch TV. And I forgot until that how small TVs were in our oh, childhood. Yeah, they were tiny. I mean, they were huge boxes. But the screens, like, were not like no. like the TV we have at our house now would have cost, like, what, five times what our monthly rent costs now. Yeah, it would have been ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it would have I been mean, insane. Insane. And like they, so they 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 rush home to see this. You know, they run, well not rush home. They rush to this place, and the woman runs out the door, and she's obviously '80s career woman, whoever the, she's babysitting for, because she doesn't even care that the babysitter's bringing over a stranger. Right. You know, and she's like, just here, you know, here we go, blah, 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 uh, food's wherever, I'm out. You know, yeah. she runs off and they go in and there's a kid who's just in a diaper, you know, which normally in my head, I reserve that for like, you know, when we're showing like incredibly scary trailer trash families. But this is a nice, and by the way, this is the Chicago suburbs suddenly. Yeah. So they, they, they're in school in Chicago, but then they, they, they take a bus and like a school bus, mind you, to the suburbs. And this is... <laughs> Busing didn't happen in the eighties. There were the busing was a seventies thing. It was over at this point. So, and I know enough about this the job. This, this is, is like seriously issue. Blues Brothers car chase. Yeah. Uh, bad continuity issues. Like, like it's like whoa. How are they here? You know, like like they, it looks like they're up in like the North Shore where we're at. And yeah. it's, it takes us forty five minutes to drive yeah. without traffic on the highway to get to the downtown area, which is where the school clearly is. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're there and uh, they they rush to see this show. And I just want to point out this baby in the diaper because I think it's like important to note because we have a toddler and you know he's in diapers now. And when we first had him, I really had very little experience with diapers. I have some nephews, but like mm-hmm. I, 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 let's put it this way: I was not the child who was you know doing a lot of babysitting and changing diapers and stuff. But my memory of diapers, and you and I discussed this, are these like plastic. Diapers, like the These things that giant puffy, yeah, like like literally. They were like Michael plastic. J. Fox's vest in Back to the Future, but it, white, but white and diapers. And I remember that very clearly, like you do. And I remember the box, and I remember you know. And I really haven't seen diapers for about twenty years when we finally had our son. And this baby, she picks him up, and he's wearing. Yeah, these giant, this, this baggy. giant. Plastic diaper, granny panty diaper, and it was funny when we had our son. You know, just a really quick diversion. I kind of didn't realize that diapers had changed, and I was expecting oh, I was that blown away. when we opened those up at the at the hospital. I mean, like they're I was little like, and they're cloth they were looking, cloth? but they're not cloth. They're, they're not, not cloth. cloth. They're, they're like they're, they're paper. Like, pa- they're like, but the consistency of cloth, and it's, it's not like like it's not just shiny vinyl. Basically. Yeah, exactly. It was so weird. Yeah, I, I, I think diapers are made of like PVC when we were kids. Like, <laughs> my diapers are. Like, my, 
my son's diapers are biodegrading as we speak. Yeah, you I mean, know, like, somewhere in a landfill. My diapers are still sitting somewhere in South Carolina. Yeah, like, I mean, they're it's there. ridiculous. Yeah, there's, there's, there's nothing. You can't do anything with them. Yeah. My, di- my diapers are fine. Yeah. You know, like they still have like 1976 written on them. Probably. <laughs> you know, like they're fine. Yeah, it's so weird. Anyway, so I, I had to point diapers. that out because I thought yeah, that's that was an such interesting a, diversion such weird... into something that had nothing to do with this movie. Yeah, and right. uh, but everyone gets to know it's, it's welcome to diaper talk. Um, so they get this TV on, and the first thought I have when they turn the TV to this dance show is the hell is this Super Bowl shuffle-esque number? This predates, this movie was released in 85, so the 85 Bears, you know, I'm guessing this movie came out in the, like, spring-summer, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it, it has that summer movie, like, so the the, the 85 Bears season hadn't happened yet, mm-hmm. and in fact, I, I, everyone seems kind of negative, I've been down on the Bears when they're mentioned, so, you know, I'm guessing, you know, this movie had no concept of Chicago at all, right. like, you know, at this time, you know, but um, but it does, there's these people in, like, football pads, and it's, it, it's not Mad Max style, it's definitely NFL style, and they've got, like, they're doing this incredibly, terribly choreographed dance on this German expressionist set. That's, <laughs> that's something you're going to learn throughout this movie is dance. Dance TV has, like, it's a set straight out of, like, like sprockets on, set, on yeah. Saturday Night Live. It's this gray, dark, it, it looks like, or, or, or the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, but it doesn't have any crazy angles. It's just, but it's this, it's bleak. It's feeling. very bleak. And the host of the show is, we're going back to 1985 craziness. It's a, it's a guy who's Australian for no reason, apparently. Mm-hmm. I think he's Australian. It mm-hmm. sounds like, if he's not Australian, he's some sort of member of the British Commonwealth, but not specifically placed. And he's, he's got the pushed up sleeves on his, on his white, white jacket, jacket. And he's just, oh, he's everything. is like perfectly 80s. And he's just the worst. You know, and he's yeah. like, you know, wow, can be, and, and you know, there's a trashy host that I thought was Rhonda Shearer from Up All Night at first, but it's not, and that much to this movie's detriment, you know, because this movie probably played on USA Up All Night. Well, no, it didn't. It didn't have enough boobs to play on USA Up All Night. That's true. What are you talking night. about? There's, not, there's no. no boobs in this no, movie. No, I, I got re- to remember to fig- figure out if Getting Lucky was made in the 80s, I assume so, because if so, I'm going to make you watch that piece of garbage um, <laughs> if you want to watch unfunny comedies, <laughs> you know, that at least have some boobs. Well, yeah, I mean, that is <laughs> the one thing that this know? doesn't have. So when the movie cuts now and we get to meet, we get to start rounding out our cast because we get to meet uh, Jonathan Silverman, who's, oh, God, he's I the annoying best he friend. He is so annoying. He's and he's the, the annoying, he's the annoying best friend, friend of a poor man's Luke Perry, as I said. And he looks more like a poor man's Luke Perry at first, and he gradually sort of morphs into a poor man's Joey Lawrence yeah. as the show goes on. Yeah. You know, he's you know, it's a guy named Lee Montgomery who apparently like I, I looked him up. He he apparently started as a model. And he's a good dancer, and you know, like obviously yeah. he was cast for his dancing ability and the fact that he's 80s handsome. He's 80s you handsome. Know, he's, he's got cute. a great handsome. I would have put moment. him up on my wall had I been able to find yes. a picture of him out of my teen. Piece. Yes, and the first thing you see him do is is like slam dunk a basketball shirtless from a low angle. Like it's definitely this scene's for the ladies. It sure was. You know, and and, and Jonathan Silverman is dressed in his normal nerdy, you know, like and he's and, and he's got to be like he's younger. You know, mm-hmm. he's not like he's got to be like 15 in this yeah. movie or something like that. And he has his voice like again, I'm not from Chicago, so I don't have a Chicago accent, but I've heard enough Chicago accents. Oh, he's to know. clearly from New York. He's, oh no, he is. No, he's not just from New York. He is clearly Grew up somehow. He's an exchange student from like Brooklyn in 1933, where he was selling newspapers on the street. It's true. He's like you know he, he's got like that sort of you know like he, uh, look look your father is from the Bronx and like grew up in the Bronx in the 40s and 50s and your father doesn't sound nearly as totally perfectly New York Jew yeah. in the from the 30s and 40s as Jonathan Silverman does. I don't. No one should sound this cliched. You know, there is a tailor later in this movie <laughs> uh, in, a, in a throwaway scene who has like the ultimate total, you know, like, like Jackie Mason rabbi Jewish voice. 
and in a way that guy didn't sound as cliche as Jonathan Silverman. I think I like it's it's insane. It's like all right, there's this is a predominantly Jewish area, the North Shore that we're in. They still sound like people still sound like they're from like, you know, the Chicago area. Right. Like unless they move from somewhere. Like this guy's accent and, and, and again, no one in this movie has a Chicago accent. No one. Everyone has like accents that you would not believe, and it really plays in later when you get to meet uh, uh you know bargain basement Luke Perry's dad. But yeah. we'll get into that. But uh, you know, so they they see them and they're talking, and you know, you 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 know, it's I don't know, it's like he's trying to like build up Joey Lawrencey Luke Perry guy into like you know whatever his name is, Jer not Jeremy, begins with a J, whatever his name is, Josh. Jesus, I, whatever his name is. Anyway, let's just call. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna call him Joey Lawrence or Whoa for short. So Whoa <laughs> is playing basketball, and Jonathan Silverman is telling him how great he is and how he should enter this contest. <laughs> you know, and um, you know, and he's like, and, and the guy's like, Whoa, no, I'm not gonna do that. You know, and we, you know, but that that's the end of them for Jeff, a while. I think it's Jeff, 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 Jeff. Whoa. Um, and uh, so we cut immediately back to this diaper, this diaper baby, and now he's sitting. In a, on a pizza in a box like these are the worst babysitters these these are the worst babysitters like the, the guys from train spotting I would trust them with a baby again more than I would trust these people because they're too busy rocking out to this god awful show and uh, there is one joke I actually laughed at the the, the Rhonda Shearer pseudo character like said like and coming up after this uh you know next tomorrow we'll we'll introduce seven more new songs named jump you know because yeah. in the 80s every song was, <laughs> was named, named jump, jump for a while right. there you know and her hair uh, and and then like we cut back to uh you know that talon hunt who's gotten out of her completely out of her catholic outfit and she's getting dressed up and she has her hair and throughout this movie she puts so many strange animals on her head in plastic. <laughs> like her, she's got like, you know, like a the hair, hair band, headband, thing. Not, not a headband, but you know, the, the band you put in your hair the, to pull back your bangs, like Daphne from uh, Scooby-Doo has. It's a, it's a headband. It's a headband. Is that called a headband? Because I think of what Bruce Springsteen wears as a headband. They're both headbands or like a um, Bjorn Borg. I mean, yeah. I guess it's a headband. Okay. I'm like, it, I don't whatever, know what the, word for that. Well, yeah, the, the pseudo tiara, whatever it is. But it's got, I want to say, <laughs> I would, I want to say it's got dinosaurs on it, but another part of me who is way nerdier and grew up a dinosaur kid wants to say, technically those are Demetrodons and those were not dinosaurs. They were a pre-dinosaur thecodont from the Triassic period. But anyway, she's got these stupid sailback dinosaur shits on her head. That's how he got me to marry him. I did. Uh, my, my knowledge of non-dinosaur things. Yes. You know. Uh, but, <laughs> and then like, you know, after that, like just when you think it couldn't get more eighties, we have another Doberman sighting. Oh yes. The Doberman sighting. Sarah Jessica Parker is running to her home, which is judging from the context clues. It's not what I, as someone who lived in downtown Chicago, think it is. It is clearly an exterior shot of a, a, a standard Chicago apartment building with a courtyard, you know, like they've got the, they, like, it's that like, you know, that like building it's kind of like like it's like a, a c-shaped you know building you know squared off thing where there's a courtyard you go in and there's all these different apartments right but it's never implied there are neighbors or that it's a, it's implied that this is her house right but it's an apartment building yeah no it's clearly an apartment it's, building uh, but she comes so and and they've got this doberman that's their guard dog out in the lawn that you never actually see except in shots by itself clearly it was done at another site yes and the dog and it's it's one of those things i love in movies they're not, they can't be bothered to train a dog to look angry 
So this dog is excitedly on the end of his leash, panting happily, and then they've got this ADR of, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, I love that. I love it. Like this dog is like lolling its tongue at it. It's probably the sweetest dog. I've, I've actually, I've, I've known a few Dobermans in my life and every Doberman I've ever met has been the nicest, most patient sweet. animal. They're very and, sweet. But <laughs> this, this dog is like supposed to be a monster. He's probably named Crippler or something, <laughs> you know, but he's. I got that from The Simpsons, you know, but, um, but, um, like it, it, it's, it, it's astonishing. And, and then like her dad is this tough, retired military accountant, I guess. Cause he doesn't look military at all. No, He just looks, he's a, that guy. And I didn't look up his name, like, but he's, he's one of those, he's balding and he's not, he's not built like a military man. He doesn't even have that much military bearing. No. Like. My dad, like, was in the Navy for 10 years, and he has better posture. My dad, like, it doesn't seem military at all to anyone. Like, no, unless they're told. No one knows. Your dad should be weird. No one knows my dad is like, a veteran. Yeah, your dad should literally I, be so. in a Hawaiian shirt, like... like. <laughs> should be. He probably is yeah, right I know, now. If right? I called drink, him up on FaceTime... Drinking a, drink, drinking a margarita or something. <laughs> you know, um, you know so, like, so basically, tough military accountant dad won't let her go out to do this. She, she asks him, like, hey, I'm going to go out and do this audition thing in the, in the city, you know, or right outside our door or something because it's not really clear where they actually live. Right. <laughs> they live somewhere in the Chicago area, you know, but like, and he says, no, you know, there's a strange city and they, there's a bunch of jokes where he's like, you know, you got a reconnaissance, know the area, blah, 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 like throws military terms around. That's, that's the running joke in this movie. It's one of many running jokes in this movie. And I should be using air quotes, but you can't see me. Trust me. They're not really jokes so much as these painful moments of me just sighing and shaking my head, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's like, it's just the whole house is like supposed to be military and it's not, and it's bad. And, you know, they heard, heard she's got a kid brother in army clothes, which I guess is accurate to me in the mid eighties. I probably had that exact same camouflage jacket, you know? Um, right. So, you know, so basically she goes anyway to the audition because this is a movie and, you know, no one obeys their parents in movies when their parents get in the way of like a plot actually happening. Right. And I'm glad she does. I'm glad she does disobey her dad or otherwise, because otherwise it's, this is just the worst. I mean, like just Well, we've also, right before they go to the audition, they introduce the spoiled rich girl. Well, yeah, I, I, I haven't even gotten to the audition yet. I, I've gotten to her, Helen Hunt gets her to break onto a bus through the back door. Like, you know, the, the back exit only door. She runs after because she wasn't going to do it. And then the last minute she's changed her mind and leaps on it. I've ridden enough of those buses to know those bus drivers don't let you do that. No, not at all. I've seen people try to do that on Chicago buses. Well, I'm sure she paid when she got on. No, no, she did not. You don't was, know. There, yeah. was a, there was a nodding wink like, hey, let's go have fun. We're stealing everything, you know. Like, eh, I don't know. You know I, I do know. I know. She's too much of a good girl. Oh, no, but Helen Hunt is too much of a bad influence. Mm -hmm, but not yet. They don't know each other that well yet. Oh, but she, Helen Hunt was already bad influencing mm -hmm. her immediately. She's like, come come, come with me to a house of a stranger and wreck it and leave their kid in a pizza. was yeah, like her yeah, first thing she did for her. And she said, I'm not going to let you not have fun, basically. Because so they, they girl, that's the, what girls want. They get and to the audition. They get to the audition. And, and we do, a, we do a, another cutaway scene of, like, you see a Mercedes uh, logo. And Jonathan Silverman is in his, like, 80s suit. You know, and he's driving the car, you know, steering the car and like tell and saying, you know, you, you got to go, you know, you got to go to the audition. You know, you got to make the, you know, dress the part of what you, you go on a motorcycle. You're the bad boy. You go in, you go in, you know, you come in a Mercedes. You, you're a guy with class or whatever he says. Like, you're a guy with class, you know, or whatever, because he's from New York. See, you know, uh, and then it cuts away and you find out the that uh, hunky Joey is pushing this car to get it to start because it's basically a Mercedes that is 85 percent Bondo and rust. And that's the joke. And it's I guess it's 
chucklish. Kind of, you know, it's, it's not funny, but it's, the but it's an amazing simulacrum of funny. Yeah. It, it resembles funny enough. The, fun, that, the funniest part to me, I mean, because again, I've seen this movie a number of times and I never caught this. And again, I've seen this movie a number of times. I, I, I'm, I'm actually, I should be ashamed to say this, but I'm not. I loved this I'm movie. I'm ashamed of you. I know you are. I, I loved this movie growing up. So uh, anyway, he goes to get in the car, and they're doing like a behind shot, like because he's gotten the car to because start. Because you want to see a behind shot of this uh, jelly guy because he's a dancer. They, they, get, they get the engine to start, and, the, and so he go. You know, he runs around the side of the car to get in, and as he pulls the door to open it, the handle flies off. But we're far enough away that if you're not really paying attention to that's what's going on, you're going to miss it. That was moderately funny. That made was, me laugh. That was moderately funny. And the problem is this movie seems so inept at times that I, I, I wonder if that's just, I leave it. <laughs> oh, I honestly believe that. You know, yes. so so they, 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 they come to the event and they, they're looking for parking and he's like, you know, he just basically pulls up to the first open area. His brakes don't work, so he knocks over a bunch of bikes in a scene reminiscent of that classic scene in Grease 2. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, when a guy kicks over all the motorcycles, which is literally the only thing I remember about Grease 2. Mm -hmm. Other than apparently Michelle Pfeiffer's in it, but uh, that's I learned that yeah. from, a, from like a TV schedule in the paper, not from like actually remembering seeing it. You know, uh, so, you know, we, we get there and then we immediately are greeted with, uh, and, and Allie actually had to tell me, no, you're not hallucinating. Because I just sort of sat there, and she could tell I was just looking like, what? Because Helen Hunt has gotten rid of her dinosaur-y thingies for a hat with a large plastic grasshopper on it. Yep. Like, it's not just a little accent. It's basically... It's enormous. It's, it's like the like size a of the hat. It's a lady's hat, but instead of like an egret or some other large bird, it's a grasshopper. Yeah, it's enormous. Like, it's it's the most terrifying thing, you and know? It's, and it's like, a, it's like a pillbox hat that like actually goes under her... Like, it holds on like... Like, like, a, like an organ grinder's monkey's hat. Yeah, it literally. It has like a chin strap. Chin strap. And yeah, it's like a pillbox with a chin strap and a grasshopper on it. And I, I know that was never popular. Like, I have a lot of vague memories oh, of the that, 80s. that was not popular. There was no way. This movie was trying to start a trend. Oh, yeah. You know, like the way Flashdance had the off-the-shoulder, you know. Which, but, there was a lot of that in this. There was a lot of that in this. Well, this movie, this movie is basically, if you threw 80s styles in a blender, yeah. this movie has every cookie-cutter 80s character in it. And they all, like, come out for uh, the, the, the one scene in the movie that elevates the movie to high art later. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. But, like... We're introduced at this, like, Shannon Doherty, a young Shannon Doherty, uh, shows up. She, she's fresh out of, like, Secret of Nim, but pre, you know, 90210, with uh, screenwriter Amy, Amy Spies. 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 Uh, you know. So, and uh, basically, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jonathan Silverman, think, like, says stuff that she's, uh, she's Joey's kid sister, so I guess she's, like, Blossom in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so, whoa! See, you know, like... And, whoa, and Jonathan Silverman are like, check this girl out from behind, and he says, hey, blah, 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 some, some, and she turns around and says, hey, you know, because she knows him, because he's, she's, you know, it's her, it's her brother's friend, and he's like, ah, get out of here, punk, you know, and so that, she, she's a punk, and she says, and then she says the best line ever, yeah. like, like, I had to write this down because it was so stupid and, and so offensive to me as someone who actually was a punk in high school. Yes. You think I'm a punk? That's out. You think I'm punk? That's outrageous. It's not as cool as New Wave, but it's a lot better than preteen. Yeah. This is what count. This is what passes for dialogue in this movie. Well, by well, the way. well if we jump back really quick to um, Helen Hunt when she's changing and um, uh, essentially on the bus, and um, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker says to her, "Oh, uh, oh, wow, oh, oh, okay, I'll, I'll hide you. Are, are, do you have a date?" 
And Helen Hunt says, I wish, I just know I must be horny. Oh God, I forgot about that. That line, I think my brain ejected that line out the back (laughs) of my head before I was allowed to think about it because like I have a kind of a a lot of built-in defenses against the idea of Helen Hunt talking about being horny. Mm. (laughs) You know, like just... Yeah. You know, there's right out the back of my head. I thought it was just the idea of her and Paul Reiser having sex that made me not never want to think about it, but apparently it's her and anyone. You only have two you only have two of those uh left, you know, the the shooting out of your, out the back yeah. of your head. Oh yeah, we've got to count them all yeah, like, uh, like a commando rocket launcher. Right, exactly. And my notes now say, and we have a villain because yeah. At this point, the evil girl whose name escapes me, uh, Ver- not Veronica. I want to call her Veronica because she's clearly, like, modeled Natalie. after Veronica. Natalie. From- Natalie. But she's modeled after Veronica from the Archie Yeah, Connor. for she's, sure. She's the brunette. She's pretty damn she's pretty, real- I will Oh, she say. is way prettier she is than gorgeous. anyone else. She is by head and shoulders the prettiest girl in this movie. And she I kind of And I hate to say like- that she's so much prettier than them that I- it may be shallow, but I kind of root for her. She's kind of? I mean, she's a total bitch. She's but- a total bitch, and she does that very well. And she swerves in on a Mercedes, a red Mercedes yeah. convertible, a new one, not, not like Jonathan Silver. She's kind of, she's kind of the poor man's Sherilyn Fenn. Kind of, yes. Yeah. You know, and, and, oh my God, if Sherilyn Fenn was in this movie, then I would, I would definitely be rooting for her. And I, I, like I would think wanted, this movie was a tragedy. I feel like they wanted Sherilyn Fenn. And but Sherilyn Fenn, her. but no one knew who Sherilyn Fenn was right. at this point because this was six years before Twin Peaks. Exactly. So they wanted, they had a dream about her. Right. And, and, and so a they found this talking girl. midget said, guess Sherilyn Fenn. Yeah, Holly Gagne. Holly Whatever. Anyway, she's, I looked, I Googled her after this and there's Google images of her, like, Throughout the, the years, because uh, apparently she, I mean, she's not really, she's in like, all, she was in like Baywatch mm-hmm. or something. Like, I never watched Baywatch in the 90s. I know that makes me a freak, but I never did. So, but apparently like she had a, a decent low level, like directed video style acting career. And she's, she's a very pretty woman to very this day. Pretty. She's way prettier than anyone else in this cast, yeah. like above and beyond, but evil. And, and her character's not likable at all. And she's not a good actress, you know, otherwise I'd really be rooting for her. But like. You know, so she shows up in her Mercedes, like almost runs over Jonathan Silverman, which immediately also gives me sympathy for her mm-hmm. because I want him to be run over by something in this movie. She like, actually almost also almost runs over the two Joey. girls. Oh, and the two girls? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember, then there's that almost fight between her right. and, and oh, and Helen and Hunt, Helen and, Hunt. And, and Helen Hunt just comes over like she's threatening, and then at the last minute does the turn and fixes her hair in her in the car mirror. And if you really look, you can see. Um, poor man Sherilyn Fenn actually uh, she flinches. Oh, she does flinch. Funny, yeah. Which is what's the funny part. I, I, you, I guess I'll, I'll take your word for no, it. No, I mean I'm sorry. Air quoted, air quoted, funny, air quoted, so, funny. So we get we so we get to uh, you know we get to the 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 tryouts part, and there's a judge there, and the character actor is this guy. Uh, I can't remember his name. I looked him up, and I've already forgotten it. But he he looks kind of like if like Jim Neighbors and like a turtle had a child, you know, uh, but, and he's playing this, uh, he's coded gay. They yeah. don't say anything, but he's coded kind of gay. And he's obviously a pill head. There's this whole thing where he keeps looking for his pills cause he's stressed out. Cause these auditions are, are full of terrible, terrible, awful dancers. Um, and I, I looked him up afterwards and I found out the weirdest trivia is this guy was his first movie ever was a voice work. And he does mostly voice work. He's the voice of Launchpad McQuack in the, uh, in the DuckTales uh, universe and a bunch of other voices uh, like his, his IMDb pages, voice work, voice work, voice work, voice work, occasional guest appearance in a sitcom, you know, kind of thing. Um, but he, uh, he basically, his first movie was THX 1138. The first George Lucas movie, he played an announcer on that. And apparently on the set, he tripped or fell and said something and made a line about tripping over a Wookiee. And Lucas said, what did you say? And he said, ah, oh, it's just a nonsense word. I, I, it doesn't mean anything. 
And George Lucas remembered that. And now that's why we have thousands of like sci-fi nerds in the world is because of this guy. So, um, so thanks to him. Voice know. actors are, are, are important too. Voice actors are people too. Yes. You know, and so, um, so this judge and I have a theory, by the way, and I'm going to go ahead and say it now. Mm. Uh, you've heard me say this theory before. Mm. Um, Martha and the Vandellas are literally the only people on earth who have ever successfully performed dancing in the streets in a way that was awesome and didn't suck. Mm-hmm. And this version is terrible. And I found out later it is by Animotion. That was in the credits. And I was like, really? I mean, not that Animotion is that great anyway, but like, oh, it's God. We've now had awful. two, two Animotion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In a row. Two Animotion episodes, two Dobermans. Like, the, We've had Crashing well, Through. Well, this is also 1985. Apparently 1985 was the year of Animotion and Dobermans. And cr- crashing Through Glass. And Crashing Through Glass. That comes later, and oh my yeah. God, we'll get to that. We actually didn't talk about that in Commando, but that did happen. There well, was a Crashing Through gr- Glass movie. Oh, there's always a Crashing... Look, if it's an action movie in the 80s, yeah. someone's crashing through well, But right. this is not an action movie, no. so... Which like, is why it's even... Cooler. Which is why it was... So, the, the, so this is incredible incredibly like my theory is proven true again because this version of dancing the street is it's almost as bad as the david bowie mick jagger one which is somehow like two musicians responsible for so much good music make the worst thing in the world this is also the dancing montage and they also made that in 1985 no one should touch dancing in the street in 1985 or make music in 1985 you know and there's yeah this is the dance montage and i'm gonna i actually have a bunch of notes here mm. because there's there's you just describing describing the montage itself is it's just a bunch of dance numbers yeah. and some of them are good some of them are not right you know um like you know like but like before i get to the two actual events that happen in the montage that are important to the plot um let me see i have uh observations of some of the people you see in the background here Shirtless guy in suspenders, <laughs> seventy-year-old Rosie Perez. Uh, she wasn't seventy, really. She was probably only like fifty. Uh, uh, ballet dancers. Uh, again, they're going for like a solid gold style show, and they're like doing straight up ballet, like like plieing and spinning and tondo, whatever oh, the heck. I don't know the oh, words. Honey, I'm so making cute. up words. So cute. They're uh, uh, there's like a young Asapatha Murkison from <laughs> Law and Order. Um, uh, there's there's a guy in a lightning bolt shirt that like clearly fell out of the 70s like and you know in the 80s we didn't acknowledge the 70s as being cool or retro or anything we were embarrassed as embarrassed of the 70s and the 80s as we were of the 80s and the 90s and of the 90s well to this day you know um and then we had let me see there was a there's another guy who looked like a young gus fring from breaking bad in a letter jacket yeah. <laughs> like in a bow tie <laughs> That was weird. That's right. He was one of the. He was one of the. That was that, actually John Carlo. <laughs> yeah. He was technically one of the finalists. He was number seven. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He was a finalist. Um, so those are some of the people. And there was also like there were like these African American twins who actually end up coming back later. And like it's it's a very strange like montage of weird people. But in the montage, you see, um, you know, evil Veronica obviously does well with her with her evil partner that she's purchased. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, yeah, she dances uh, kind of like actually Allie danced at our wedding. Yeah, uh, but but the judges love her for some reason anyway. Uh, Allie knows the joke here is neither of us dance very well at our wedding, but we danced a lot. We danced with vigor. With vigor. With <laughs> so she dances. She dances with vigor and fervor, but not particularly well. She does also. She does a lot of gymnastics. Well, that's what I was gonna yeah. say. And oh, then, yeah. like the judges are already noticing and loving her, and then they basically she totally gets the part because her stunt double does amazing gymnastics. Oh yeah, they're really good. Like her stunt double is apparently from uh, you know maybe the 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 choreographer of this movie was a guy named Chuck Gaylord so I'm guessing maybe his his apparently famous according to Allie's uh, brother Mitch Gaylord must have actually put a wig on and okay. been her according to Allie 
Google the man. I'm not Googling someone named Mitch Gaylord. Oh my God, what is wrong with you? The government will put me on a list. <laughs> You're already on the list. And then Helen Hunt, uh, she is bumped out of it because one, she sucked. And two, her partner sucks even more than her and like knocks her over. So she, so Helen Hunt is out of this. So she's not really a dancer, you know? You know, so we, that, that's, that, so that's the end of that. And we, we, we then cut to a scene from like, it looks like maybe we're in an episode of Married with Children now because mm-hmm. we're in, the south side, apparently, of Chicago now, in, like, this ratty house, like, this ratty downtown kind of house. It's definitely a Chicago house. Well, wait, did you even finish the... What about the... Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, and, oh, because of the... the she gets paired up with, uh, I'm sorry, I had this major plot point that I totally missed, just like Allie missed all the killing last week. <laughs> um, I, or whatever we put it out. I keep saying last week. We're not doing this weekly. We're too lazy for that. Yeah. Um, you know, so, um, you know, basically, uh, you know, she gets. She ends up getting paired up with, uh, with, uh, with, with whoa, you know, for that. First, she's paired up. They, the judge tries to split up this pair of like super Aryans, uh, you know. Like, they really were the super Aryans. Oh my god, like the, the Aryan race. super couple. They really were. They are the master race. Like, we're in 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 black uh, bodysuits with silver belts and these red matching. armbands with swastikas on them. I think, but I, they, those I, I, are cut from. Those uh, were they, cut, those in the extended. Version. They were in the extended version. But um, so. You know, they, they she gets paired up with whoa, so they got to work on a routine for when they come back in a couple of weeks or a week. I don't know. I think that, it's like three weeks. Three weeks, like whatever time period they've got to come back for the show to actually do their their performance. So you know, they they they're the pair. They have to learn it. You know, so they're thrown together. You know, which so now we have the impetus for our love plot and our main dancing plot and everything else, you know? So then we cut back to this married with children episode, like this crappy South Chicago house. Um, and it's, it's woes family. And we get, we get character actor Biff Yeager, who's one of those guys who's in so much stuff. Uh, and he, this is the best part because he's playing what is supposed to clearly be like straight up some Swarsky Chicago guy, you know, he's, you know, but he sounds like Peter Griffin. Like that's where I realized nobody in this movie is like. You know, he sounds like he's from New Jersey. Yeah, no, no, he's no, he's no, he's he's definitely from New England because he's got that he's got the Boston vowels or oh, Rhode yeah, Island. Yeah, he, yeah. he drops his R's. Oh yeah, gone. he does have bo- is more. He Boston. sounds like Peter Griffin. You know, and uh, you know, it, it, you know, I was like, what the heck? You know, it's like he's straight up like it's not pack the cod having yeah, but it's it's straight up. It's you know, almost. You know, it's like get me a beer. You know, yeah. it's there's no one in Chicago misses a chance to say an R. Like, this is a town that loves the letter R. We like flat A's and heavy R's. Yeah. You know, like, like this is a guy at one point later in the movie, he actually talks about the Bears. The Bears. Now, this is this predates the famous superfan sketch, but, you know, like, I admit, yeah, Bears is an exaggeration, but it's not that far. <laughs> you know, it's it was a bunch of guys who actually lived in Chicago doing impressions of Chicago people. I'm not sure Biff Yeager had ever been to Chicago before. Or ever been five miles away from Pawtucket. <laughs> you know, he is like, it, it is like, you know, the bears are doing so terrible. You know, it's like, it's such a not Chicago accent, but he's playing a guy who clearly has a factory job in Chicago and probably grew up there. Like, he's clearly a townie. Yeah. He's a guy who's never left Chicago. He's a guy who has strong damn opinions about mustard on hot dogs. You know, this is like, but no, you know, and then. 
then we cut, you know, like this scene, we have a scene basically that's like, it's kind of like the, it becomes sort of a John Osborne play for a while, you know, it's this yeah. working class family, you know, and, oh, and, uh, and we get Shannon Doherty delivering, this movie does another, like, just like it attempted to do 80s fashion, it's like it's trying to make its own slang up at one point, because, uh, oh, yeah. uh, Shannon Doherty says, are you trying to make me throw a mental? No, 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 she says, dad, don't throw a mental. Dad, don't throw, I'm sorry, yeah, dad, don't throw a mental, uh, which, no one ever said that, nope, right? I don't, no no I, one, like, like seriously, like, no one again, call that. in, you know, call into our, our live number, uh, you know, yeah. during this podcast, if, if if anyone here actually ever said or heard that phrase outside of this movie. Throw a mental. Throw mm-hmm. a mental, you know, but, you know, that, that happens. And then we cut back to the school and we get Jonathan Silverman being horribly irritating again. And, uh... He stops a girl and it turns out he, this is where we, like, we kind of learned before because he was trying to tell, sell t-shirts, you know, at this event that he's kind of one of those guys who's always trying to make a buck, you know, and given that he's got the most stereotypical New York Jewish voice, I think it's, I think the Anti-Defamation League might be able to have a case against this movie because he, like, he's, he's the fast moving guy who's always trying to make a buck and he's selling term papers and stuff. And I realized, you know, and I don't know if Ali's seen Rock and Roll High School, but this dude is Eagle Bauer. This guy is the Clint Howard character. He's mm-hmm. he's I, he probably has an office, like an actual office inside of like one of the uh, stalls in the restroom with a desk probably. and a secretary, you know, and, like so he, like his, he's at the public school trying to sell tests. And then we cut back to the Catholic school where like everyone's singing, you know, singing um, a Gloria in Excelsis Deo, which I always know is a you know part of Angels We Have Heard on High, because I, I wasn't raised Catholic, uh, you know, and I, obviously neither were you, but uh, I Quite was... Quite obviously. You know, um, but, I, like, apparently that's outside of Christmas is a song, because they're just singing it, you know, and the nuns conducting, you know, Angels We... But they, no, but it's the part, you know, and we cut and we scroll by Helen Hunt, ever the badass, reading a magazine called Super Teen, Super Teen, hid, super teen that's poor, right. barely hidden in the hymnal, you know, and it look, it sounds like it sounds like the lamest comic book ever, like you know, like the adventures of Super Teen, you know, and the and then you know, like basically, uh, they the <laughs> I, I, my brain just exploded trying to think of the concept, the concept of how this would work, but somehow Sarah Jessica Parker drops straight down in the middle of this crowd of Catholic schoolgirls and climbs out with no one noticing and sneaks off to do her dance uh, rehearsal. And then at the end of the song, uh, Helen Hunt, you know, they, it, the song ends with In Excelsis Deo, and I think the only reason they even chose this song was so then Helen Hunt can make a really terrible joke of singing Deo. Now, I know this movie came out like four years before Beetlejuice or something like that, but I still feel like this movie needs to apologize to Beetlejuice for trying to use that song, you know, in an 80s movie, because it fails miserably. That joke falls so flat on its face. I mean, I just want to, like... But I think my favorite part about that is she's doing that as a distraction, and, you know, so Sarah Jessica Parker can get out. And then what's great is the nun actually says these words, whatever her name is, Miss... Helen Hunt's name in this movie. There's a time. Lynn Stone. Lynn Stone. Miss Stone. There's a time and a place for Calypso music. (laughs) Is there really? Because I want to go to that that time and place. That time and place is Trinidad in 1958. I mean, like, let's go. Let's grab a TARDIS and go. Because seriously, I want to go to that place. I did not make a Doctor Who reference. (laughs) She did. 
I did not. Okay, but, but you anyway, also grab a DeLorean. But, yeah, but, but yeah, 1985. We should be. Grabbing oh, we should be grabbing a DeLorean. DeLorean. <laughs> right, that's seriously. a good point. Yeah. Also, we should be watching a different movie because man, there's a lot of great <laughs> movies given 1985 that aren't this. And so then we cut to like a, a scene of the two of them dancing together. And this movie, at this point, I wrote my notes immediately. Like this movie wishes it could have gotten Swayze. Oh, this God, yes. is this is everything that Swayze, Swayze would have owned in this movie. The problem is Swayze actually knows how to dance. So Sarah Jessica Parker would have looked really bad. Like, this guy's he a good dancer. Dance, yeah. yeah, but this guy doesn't know how to dance like Swayze. No. This Swayze guy doesn't is, have moves like Swayze. No. He may have moves like Jagger, but he don't have moves like Swayze. You yeah. Know? And my, when I say moves like Jagger, I mean in that awful... I will say that when, when when Dirty Dancing came out, it, it, it definitely... Um, put this movie to shame but until then this is all we had this was the poor man's Barbie like you have to give us this for at least until we got Dirty Dancing all this right, is all uh, we had I'll give you that but you only but you know you could have waited even, uh, like even two more years after that and gotten Lombada the Forbidden Dance you know which is clearly <laughs> that's not a stay tuned because I've never seen it and never will but um, <laughs> you remember Lombada the Forbidden Dance don't you? No. You don't? No. Oh. Are you gonna do it for me right now? No, because this is a family podcast. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um, just Google it while I talk. <laughs> so at this point, I, I wrote in my notes. I spend a lot of this movie wondering what is the joke, you know, or or what the lines mean. Because there's a lot of lines that I think must have been jokes in this movie that they they don't they they they're delivered with the cadence of a joke. And I feel like I'm watching this movie and I feel like I'm like, I'm watching this movie as someone with like, like, like I imagine someone who has like severe Asperger's has to go through life with like looking for cues like, oh, that was supposed to be a joke. I need to laugh now. Or, you know, I need to make eye contact. Like this movie makes me feel like I'm somehow disconnected from my senses and my perception of, because this is like every cadence and every beat of this movie lets me know it's a comedy, but I hardly ever want to laugh. I legitimately laugh probably more at Over the Top. You know? But this movie does actually make me laugh, but it's never anything that's actually a comedy. It's, it's, it's always things they're trying to be serious about that makes me laugh in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know? And so um, so we, like at this point, we we're introduced, and I think I said this because it's, there, there was some line in when, when like the like evil perm Veronica, you know, uh, invites uh, whoa to her debutante ball, and that's when I actually stopped the movie. I actually said, "Ali, pause this," mm-hmm. and we actually stopped for a minute. And I said, "Can you confirm this for me?" Because you know, I grew up in the South, and we have things like this. They don't have debutante balls in Chicago, yeah. do they? I mean, yeah. has there has there ever been a debutante ball? Not that in I know of. I mean, we never had them. Like like Grand, like Grand, a I grew up in a... of some sort. Like, yeah, no. or, like Derby Day. Do you? Yeah, like, no. I actually said this to John. I was like, you know, it would have been so much smarter of them to have said a Sweet 16. Because it's yeah. about oh, the yeah. same age. Oh, yeah. And... A Sweet 16 party would have made sense. Yeah. I would have been like, fine with that. Like, that makes perfect sense. But a debutante ball, like, she... She needs to be in a hoop skirt. Yeah, like, it was like, ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. So she, but it's, it's an, she gives him an invite. Yeah. This invite only debutante ball, and this is an important point for the, like not for the real plot, but for the the, the five minute awesome cul de sac that we're going to take in a little bit. You know, so they're at the mall, you know, for a while now doing. Things. Oh, it's important to note that you can't get into this party without yeah invitation. no that's what i'm saying it's oh, an yeah. invite only it, I, I think i said well, not just only. an invite only but like you literally like need you to have to show actually have an invitation. Physical but, uh, invitation but here's the other thing you just have to show the physical invitation right. there's no guest list no no guest clearly list. no guest list but there is a, so so we go to the mall and jonathan silverman is like now this is the scene where jonathan silverman gets is trying on a suit 
and you, it, like a guy is tailoring him. It's like yes. it's like actually to make to. Last week I talked about Sidney J. Musburger and Hudsucker. This is it. It's like it's. I, I feel like it's even the same tailor. I like, think you're probably you right. You know, like I added a double stitch. No double stitch. You yeah, know? yeah, totally. I'll give it to him anyway. <laughs> like it's that guy. This guy is like I can't even do. Like he's got like a Zoidberg voice. You know. You move. You'll bleed. You'll move. You'll bleed. <laughs> he's definitely a Russian Jew. Yeah, he's a definitely a Russian Jew. He's like he's he's like you know laughter on the twenty third floor. You know? Yeah, yeah, for That's sure. That's what I think. You know, yeah. you know, like like he uh, he's Tevya basically. Yeah, he's Tevya. Tevya the Taylor. Tevya the Taylor. Muddle the Taylor. Muddle the Taylor. Taylor's father. Yeah, Muddle yeah. Senior. Mm-hmm. You know, Aye. but um, you know, so we go to the mall and and oh my God, Helen Hunt, who again she's never made an eighties fashion mistake that she's not going to try in this yep. movie, is straight up in a bullet belt like she's in exploited like it is just like and these are like big bullets too unless Helen, unless Helen Hunt is actually only like four foot three she's got like anti-aircraft bullets they're like six inch long bullets on this like belt around her waist and speaking of punk bands in the background there is a guy that I swear to god I thought is Captain Sensible of the Damned in this there's this dude with, like the red beret Captain Sensible ensemble in the background of this scene where Jonathan Silverman's bragging about going to this debutante ball or whatever and you know, basically, they immediately steal that invitation from him, you know, because he's going to drop it unannounced because he's the plus one <laughs> for, uh, for whoa, mm-hmm. you know, but so they, they, and they run to the 80s equivalent of a Kinko's, like the copy shack the or instant something. instant copy shack. Instant copy land, yeah. you know, or whatever. Shackety shack. You know, like, uh, Jocko's... Australian copies, new Energizer, it'll surprise you. Oi, you know, like whatever it is, they they show up there and they make a hundred and fifty copies of this invitation, and then we get this awesome montage of them going around to, Chicago to, and, to a version of. Uh, wait, oh yeah, well let me get let yeah, me yeah. get what they're we'll get to where they're but they're going around, and I'm gonna put Chicago in quotes now because I'm not sure. Like some of this is Chicago, no. some of this is. Like somewhere in the, the Chicago suburbs, some of this is probably in Burbank. Uh, you know, like, yeah. like, but they go around and they get like they ask, they find, they they find like the casting couch, casting couch, the cou- the casting like central casting, central casting. So that's what I was trying to say. The central casting of like eighties punks. You know, like it's like these are people that couldn't have gotten into Repo Man if they tried, and uh, you know, and then they have like some metalheads, and then they find the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. You know, like I I. I'm not sure, like, I guess I don't remember this being a big theme in the 80s, but I'm guessing it probably was of women who are muscle-bound enough to beat, to beat guys up because, like, they move a car to help him pick up the fly, the fl- to help them pick up the flyers they've dropped. So they're going to ruin this party by inviting a bunch of punks, metalheads, and, and professional lady wrestlers, <laughs> you know, which actually is a fairly good scheme, I think, to make a party great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, like, you know, so... Um, so we go to this like boring, and it is a boring ass. Wait, party. But, but, but oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. The montage. I totally forgot. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. I apologize. Because yeah. the montage is set, and Ali had told me the thing that's going to piss you off most about this movie is girls just want to have fun isn't actually in it. You know, and I was like, what? The song. Fuck that! I'm so mad. But then it starts, and I'm like, hey, no, it's in here. And then she goes, wait, no, it's a cover, John. I'm like, oh balls! Yeah. They couldn't afford Cindy Lauper. It's so lame. I mean, I know Cindy Lauper didn't write it, you know, so like it was the rights were probably cheaper to get another artist to do it, but it is, oh, it's like, come on, it is 1985. It's a we painful are, We are one year out, and, and clearly this movie was made 
100% because that song was popular enough that they could make a movie based yeah. around the title. Like like the way American International Pictures used to like like basically come up with a bunch of titles and then, right. you know, and market them until, they, you know, they'd market the movie before they made it. And if the movie looked like it was didn't good, that's when they get a director for it. Right. <laughs> you know, like, so this movie clearly was made for a title only and they decided they couldn't afford to actually have Cyndi Lauper in that. And um, so... So we, we, we cut to now at this point after the montage to the world's most boring party. Like I, I, I admire this movie for getting the, uh, getting the fact that this party is just terrible, perfectly down. You know, it's a bunch of muffin, muffin, <laughs> biff, stuff. Yes. And the only Biff not there is Biff Yeager. Yeah. Because he's he's off somewhere worrying about how the Pats are going to do this year or something, you know. <laughs> Drinking a Sam Adams. And, and, but, and in, um, this, in this point is when we meet um, uh, Natalie, Evil Veronica's father. Oh, who, yeah. Who, I have to tell you, every time I think about this, and I've seen this movie, we have mentioned this many times, and in my brain, I never want to put the correct actor in this role because in my head the correct actor should be Ted Knight. Oh my god, Ted Knight would have would have owned in this movie. It like, should be Ted Knight. There's about this there's role. about there about, I can actually think of I, I could go through a list of actors that they're like their elements of various actors in this guy. Um uh, obscure uh, obscure B actor Clue Gulliger could have easily <laughs> played this part. Um this 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 like Ted Knight definitely could have Oh my god, Ted Knight should be in this movie. Um, uh, Conrad Bain. Yeah, Conrad Bain. Conrad Bain would have been a great uh, stuffy old dad. Um, but like this movie is like an amalgamation of all those guys, plus kind of a, a bit of Joe Biden, but not the yeah. onion, not the not the onion Joe Biden that's cool, but like the real Joe Biden who who actually wears a suit and goes to fundraisers. Like it's just, and this guy has this amazing weird white weave or something. It's like a two. I think it's a silver toupee. But it's not in the movie. It's his real hair. They don't say no. it's a toupee, but it looks like a toupee. It like it's like stands off his head. Yeah, it like floats. It's like this. It maybe he's using consort for men, the the thinning hairspray mm. for the eighties. But he has this perfect like just bowl of like helmet hair. It was kind of like that guy from Goodfellas that gets found in the freezer. Yes, <laughs> you know with the coats. <laughs> yeah, you know like that guy's hair, but white. And it, it is fantastically horrible. So we're, we, we, it, it's this boring, stuffy party. You get Jonathan Silverman irritatingly schmoozing with this guy. And then you get, just as the part, just as I'm like, this scene could not go on any longer, you know. For a split second, this becomes a movie that I want to live in. Because <laughs> out of nowhere, like from outside, and bear in mind, we've been through all this trouble to get these people invitations. Out of nowhere, from outside. <laughs> Uh, some this Hollywood punk guy comes flipping, does a backflip, crashes like upside down. His back hits the window, <laughs> and they he crashes into the, the the scene. Lands on his feet, runs onto the table, like sticks his foot in a turkey. He's got a guitar, and he starts and, dancing. And they, he's dancing with a guitar and his foot in a turkey, and all these other punks and like wrestlers and people come barreling over and charging into them. And the music instantly changes from a. There was a movie called the. There, there was a band, pardon me. There was a shitty like wedding style band called the Grateful Dudes, yeah. which I I kind of laughed. Yeah, I laughed at that. That's a terrible terrible name but it's funny Perfect. you know and the movie and it's not like the guys push the band out of the way and take over and start something the moment the window breaks the music in the party changes to like this it's not really a punk song it's it's more of a metal song yeah like this party metal song and like suddenly wake up the neighbors <laughs> and I'm like it's way too much twiddly guitar for uh -huh. it to be a punk song and and suddenly like it becomes the fight for your right video 
Like, it totally it's just like, is. It, is, it is straight up. Like all of a sudden there's these crazy misfits just dancing and, and the guy playing sax for the right, for the, for the grateful dudes. Like he's excited. They've come in. And honestly, this movie somehow screws up royally is it seems like there's only like two or three people who are upset at this. I mean, I guess like, it's like the movie itself knows it's a shitty party, apparently, because only like the dad and Permi Veronica and like two or three other elderly people are upset. Like the band, the guy with the saxophone throws his saxophone to some other guy and says, like, it's yours. You're, yeah. You you better. And then these punks do like the choreographed dance number with like flips and yeah. everything. It's like. It, it is phenomenal. And these the, wrestling the, ladies the, come in. And, and they pick up this uh, the couch of, there's this like old couple sitting on the couch. And they like and pick they up the pick couch up and turn, turn it around, around so they don't have to see the party. <laughs> it's really and, like, and it's funny because everyone, like all the old people seem to be really happy about yeah. it. It's like, it's not like they crashed into a party full of a bunch of angry Margaret Dumont's going, we would never. Yeah. You know, no, it's like, it's like, it's more like the party where like the elderly people pop open a Budweiser and start playing guitar solos on the beach. Yeah. Like it's that 80s. You know, like everyone's having a great, and it, the party is suddenly well let's face it it's kind of awesome i want to go to this party they somehow because it's a country club they <laughs> like somehow like a bunch of them uh including whoa and jonathan silverman have gotten like a, a golf, golf cart. cart and they're just driving around through the country club and it ends with basically them crashing into uh not ted knight you know pseudo biden with his, you know and like and knocking a pie onto his face so he has blueberry all over his his hair helmet his beautiful silver white his hair. beautiful silver white mane, mane. his Whoa. flowing locks you know and so there's this awkward moment where he's like sorry sir Whoa. you know and, yeah. and so they all scatter after that <laughs> like just everything scatters the party's over you know you know, like, so for five minutes, this movie was the greatest movie ever. Like, I, like, it, it like, a backflip through a plate glass window <laughs> into, yeah, like, into that, party It's that bound. moment in, in Weird Science. When yeah, they, it's totally that moment totally, in Weird Science. totally, like, they totally come in and they, like, fucking ruin the house and, like. <laughs> like, and an MX missile suddenly just starts growing <laughs> yeah. through the middle of, you know, like, it's, it's that. It's, it's, it's that insane. insane. You know, it's like, yeah, it, it really, like, it was, like, a few steps away from, like, having a moment that crazy. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like. Had there been lab equipment there, it would have happened. Yeah. Like, like I'm surprised there were no, not more fires. You know, there were there should have been a guy in a gorilla suit. You know, like running around like because it, it, the party just went off the chain for like five minutes. And then my favorite be- part is the is the, is the when because of course um, Helen Hunt, Shannon Doherty, and. Uh, and just Sarah Jessica Parker are, are outside the window and they're looking and they're laughing because obviously the they've ruined didn't. the party, but they've actually made the party awesome. Of and course I don't know we what know they're that. laughing about. But anyway, so uh, Natalie turns and looks at them, which is like that. I'm not really looking at the camera. I'm just looking off the camera, but it's kind of the camera's. But I'm making in. complete eye contact, contact with, with the cameraman camera. through the viewfinder. Yeah. Like, like you want to shoot that shot. So she's like focusing on a point, maybe yeah. a few inches to the side of the camera. Yeah, It's a little too but close to But she's like right home. at the camera and yeah. she's mouthing, I'll get you for this. Or no, it's like, this means war. This means, oh no, she says this means war. And I was like, like I was like, are you Bugs Bunny now? <laughs> and actually, a better movie is being made in an alternate universe where this timeline diverged, and she actually stuck, and the movie became a back and forth revenge tale. Like if this suddenly was the montage, the "You Are Forgiven" montage from Rushmore. Like if they did that, like the a quick one montage in there with just back and forth revenge plots, yeah. this movie would have become great. Yeah. But instead, they immediately cut back to the, the the most boring, unsexy Catholic school ever and a gymnastics like practice that is done one hundred percent, one hundred percent, so that you can get a joke of a nun uh, 
get it on a pommel horse. Yeah, and it's really good, actually. She's really good on the pommel horse. Oh, she's very good, because it's clearly Mitch Gaylord. Yeah. <laughs> exactly! Know, in, a, in, a in, a, in a habit. Exactly! You know, it's, like, it's, like, you know, like, and this nun is, like, obviously going to the Shelley Long school of prissiness, you know, because what happens is before she's distracted on the pommel horse by Helen Hunt in a, in a wicked scheme so that Sarah Jessica Parker can talk to whoa through the fence about, like, like their plans like there's a whole bunch of back and forth that I've left out because it's, it's not really important. repetitive and boring where like they're, they, they're, they're, it's they're a trying will they, they right. they're trying to rehearse they can't get to rehearse they go to rehearse they have a fight like it's, it's yeah it's, it's 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 a will they won't they cheers thing so I guess the Shelley Long reference I made works um you know she's like get away from him he's a boy or something like it's just like yeah. there's it's 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 ridiculous you know and and they talk about, like, how she couldn't make it because, uh, like, Sarah Jessica Parker says, I'm sorry I couldn't make it. My dad took us to the air show. You know, it's like 200 people staring with their heads in the air. And that actually, as a Chicago resident, that made me really mad because I'm like, do your research. Because there's one air show in Chicago. It is done once a year. It lasts three days. And something like 40 billion people show up to uh-huh. it. It is ridiculous. It is, it is one of those things where when I lived downtown and I worked near there, I would try to miss work. Mm-hmm. I would call in sick to avoid it's the traffic worst. and the people because it is like literally hundreds, hundreds of thousands of people. It looks like, a, like, it looks like a riot, you know, when you're there. Just all these people from like the suburbs coming in to look at the whiz jets, oh, you so know, stupid. like, so like, I was like, that is like bullshit 200 people, you know? Uh-huh. There are 200 people in every 10 square feet of Na- uh, of Navy Pier whenever there's an air show, you know. And then and then we cut to like we go further in like to I I just wrote this, this in my notes and I have to say this because it's I want to murder Jonathan Silverman, tune in Tokyo. Uh-huh. Fuck you. They he does a straight up tune in Tokyo joke and the girl doesn't know what it means and we actually get to see it fully set up where she gets her to stand and twist her body like a radar dish. It is, I'm, I'm, I'm watching this and it's, it's so offensive. slow. It, it's, it's horribly offensive and it's, it's offensive not just because it's sexist. It's offensive because it's stupid. It's trite. It comes from a mile away and it's just like even, like this is the funny thing is I've been bad mouthing this movie for not being very funny throughout mm-hmm. this. I actually, even having said that, I was like, Movie, I trusted you not to do something this dumb. Uh-huh. Like, it's that dumb, you know? And the the only thing that ameliorated my rage and kept me watching is immediately thereafter, Helen Hunt shows up and she's wearing a crab hair tie. Mm-hmm. An actual plastic giant crab on her head to add to, like, the menagerie of things that she wants to put in her head. And then we go to a montage of them, of, of uh, the two of them working out for a yeah. while. It's literally the sweatiest montage, I think, in history. Like they're without them having sex. Well, yeah, no, all right, yeah, they're they're you probably really sweaty. Clear all right, there are sweatier montages in porn movies, but if we're talking just like this is sweatier than the entire movie Cool Hand Luke. This is it's so sweaty, you know, and they're just dancing and sweating and uh you know, and and you know, all you know, like it's it's the scene where they really are falling in love, which means it's repul- repulsive and horrible, right? <laughs> you know, and, and thankfully we we cut not too far away from that to him leaving the rehearsal. Joey's going out the door. Jeff. All right, I know his name is Jeff, but Joey Lawrence. Whoa, is going out the door, and he runs into and almost is run over by, you know, evil Joe Biden's limo. Because with, right before this, she, uh, uh, his daughter, Natalie, has uh, basically asked him to... Oh, yeah. 
to uh, rig the dance TV. And he's like, "Honey, I can't do that." Contest so and that she's she can like, win. Of course you can. And he's like, yeah. "Oh yeah, that's right. I'm rich and evil, and it's the '80s. Of course I can." He's rig like, this. "You know, one some of these one of these days, you're going to have to learn how to do this on your own." And she's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. a rich white guy is really going to tell his daughter that she's going to have to do something on his own. Sure, whatever. <laughs> okay, I don't think he movie. meant rig it on your own, but like you know. No, I mean, yeah, get things on your own. Yeah, on your own. Yeah, merit. whatever. Yeah. yeah, sure. You know. So instead of rigging the dance contest by talking to the judges and like paying one instead, of them off, no. No, he instead, which is how you rig something. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm like I, I'm not a corrupt guy. I'm not you know in any sort of organized crime or anything. But I know you. you, you this is not how you rig something. So anyway, he he almost runs over over whoa, you know, and you know, and he gets and and this is. God, this was baffling, and Ali had never noticed this until this either. Uh, like we both looked, and we had to stop the the we had to stop this for a while and just be incredulous because this limo, instead of having tinted windows, I don't I don't understand how this was cheaper, but apparently it was. This movie, his windows are just spray painted black yeah. in the back of this limo. It's it's it's, it's almost like a matte temp- coat. it's almost tempera paint. No, it's definitely hair. It's definitely spray paint and yeah. it's it's matte. It's not even glossy. Yeah, it's not it's glossy. Not satin. It's not, it's satin. not eggshell. No, it's it is a matte, matte matte like barely a shine to it. Dark dark matte like blocking and like yeah you know, like like and and at this moment he finally crosses the line from snooty country club dad to cartoonish 80s supervillain yeah. because he basically says so your father works at one of my plants and like at, at your age I worked at the blah blah plant now I own it along with a bunch of other plants your father works at one of them and it'd be a shame if I had to fire him yeah. <laughs> basically so he's so basically you know oh my god it it's like Ah, like my, my my mind just turned. No, off. you literally stopped talking. My I was mind like, what just turned there? off because it's such a stupid plan. All you do is you suborn one judge. Yep, one judge, maybe two. See, but I think this is the reason. I mean, I'm, look, I'm, not, look, I'm giving the. I'm giving. All I'm saying uh, is, uh, is Drop Dead Gorgeous had a better plan for winning the contest. Yeah, but here's the thing: I don't think that that we're giving the, the plot more credit than it's worth. But I think the reason that he did that is because he wasn't really trying to rig it. I think what he was trying to do was just get those two to not win because she made a very clear point that she doesn't. Well, yeah, want she them she doesn't want them. That's true. She she doesn't necessarily want to win the whole contest. No, she does. Well, win she does, but but she wants them to lose more. I think she wants them to lose, but so it's more important to her. She's she just, wants to she's win. Just so mad because she's got to settle for Reggie whenever she really wants Archie, you know, <laughs> like no, that's right. her problem, yeah, okay. you know, and, and like it's, anyway. So, so, so and then we and then we get back to like then we get back to like you know the working class slums, uh, you know. Well, no, um, no, they have the rehearsal and then he's mean to her. Oh yeah, no, yeah, he's mean to her at the rehearsal, you know, and she's like, and he basically says he's not going to do like, it. Yeah, yeah, I didn't write anything down about yeah. that because it was the most boring scene. So basically, at this point, he's go, not going to go. And then we go back. And we go back to his house and like he's and this is where this is where his dad like actually says the line, you know, how the bear's going to play and he. Says, he has a list as long as his am of uh, reasons why they're why they're going to suck this year, which is really funny in hindsight, you know. Uh, considering it was <laughs> considering it was the '85 Bears, Bears, you know, one of the all-time yeah. greatest football teams ever, and yeah. and one of the all-time most annoying overstayers of welcome ever, you know, at any Chicago event now. Um, but then, like, so this is the most amazing scene to me, honestly, and I, I I'm going to give this movie some credit because, like, a lot of these movies, like. This like his dad is like working class, you know, New Englander who somehow lives in Chicago. Uh, you know, you know, like he's a he drinks Budweiser. You know, he's you know he's you know he wears tight shirts that say I'm the coach. <laughs> you know, he's a he's a he's a angry sports brew kind of guy, and 
when he finds out like how so uh, how's your dance contest going like he's you know he's like dad you know i you know he he actually said he t- tells his dad how this guy threatened him and he actually says i hate that guy and he's like his dad actually says don't hate him you know like his dad is like try- like this weird voice of reason and then he like explains the whole story and his dad actually says you know what you do you try as hard as you can did he say you're going to lose he said, yeah, yeah. can you win? Can you win? Can you win? And, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, I can, you know, you know, and then, and, and he's like, then you try as hard as you can. And, you know, if, if whatever happens, happens, you know, yeah. if he fires me, he fires me. And I'm like, that's a surprisingly supportive dad, considering, I mean, I, I, I've met a few like of these working class Chicago guys. They're not usually cool with their sons becoming dancers instead of working in the factory, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but he's completely like you, you, you live your dream, son. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, maybe it's because maybe it's because he's actually from the enlightened liberal New England states. But, you know, so, you know, so like so he's sending him out. And meanwhile, uh, you know, Sarah Jessica Parker's dad, who has a daughter who uh, again, it's a daughter. No one no one ever says your daughter can't be a dancer in life, has a daughter who's skilled at dancing. He's like, no, you can't go out. He finds out that she's like that she's sneaking out because she sets off an alarm that was actually made by the company that Dr. Evil Q helmet hair Biden not not Ted Knight not Ted Knight you know not not Conrad Bain <laughs> you know his company actually makes these alarms and she accidentally sets it off climbing into the house as her dad's a psychopath it was like the whole house rigged with this insane security system you know and so she's grounded she can't go and that's the weekend you know and his, her father actually finds out because like he's suspicious because she doesn't want to go to her grandmother's house in St. Louis that, like that weekend yeah you know which why would anyone want to go to St. Louis ever is my question yeah basically you, know? you want but, to run as far away from St. Louis as you but, can um, scream and run but so she's she's trapped in the house he's going to the thing like going to have to go to the thing by himself and he doesn't know this yet and he doesn't know anything about like but he's he's been reinvigorated he's going to I'm going to win this but now he doesn't know about her right. and you know and he and, and she can't contact him because she's under lock and key, you know, and she has to stay at home for this big thing. Then, like, she's like, and her and then her brother comes in, her little kid brother comes in in his Cub Scout uniform. And this actually was the exact same Cub Scout uniform I was wearing in 1985. So apparently her brother's my age. And I hope I wasn't as much of an annoying little shit as he is. But um, he says, you know what dad would do? He would call reinforcements. And she goes, oh, you know thank you and offers to give him some coins and he's like nah that one was for free and yeah. he walks off and they're like oh that's a charming moment with an annoying kid and he's you know but what does calling for reinforcements mean who knows she's alone in the house and then a knotted rope drops from her roof oh yeah and we have to say that she uses her um her her hair dryer to rig the the alarm so it doesn't go off. Oh, yeah, that's right. She MacGyvers it. I totally, totally MacGyvers yeah, it. Yeah, I totally forgot to mention that. She t- she totally MacGyvers her hairdryer, you know, to like to do that. And then all of a sudden, Helen Hunt appears upside down. You know, her hair's hanging upside down. And she's like, ready to go or whatever, you know. And like, first of all, where did he, how did Helen Hunt get on this roof? <laughs> like, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a four-story straight-up building. And she, and she drops this knotted rope from like the... 80s ninja supply store <laughs> from the roof and she's like you know hop onto my rope we'll get out of here climb down and then you know helen hunt you see her flip right side up and her hair still goes up because it like the joke is she's hairsprayed it straight up and it's i have to funny. say i laughed it a little bit a that was a zucker and abrams airplane yeah, or sure top was. secret joke that's like sure when was. that's like when peter cushing takes the looking glass off his the magnifying glass off his face and his eyes still enormous yeah joke you know like it like 
So I did laugh. That was one of two like legit laughs I had at this movie mm-hmm. at jokes in this movie. And then like they they sneak off and they end up on a bus, you know, with and and you know Helen has her bride of Frankenstein hair, you know, and they're 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 getting makeup on on the bus to get ready to go downtown. And of course, they're or, in traffic. They're in traffic. They the, they're stuck in traffic and they can't go anywhere. And I've been on enough Chicago buses stuck in traffic, but this actually rang very true to mm-hmm. me. But they finally, they're right near the station, but they can't get out of the bus because, you know, they're stuck there. So they tear open the the back door and, like, which sets off an alarm normally in a bus, mm-hmm. by the way. Probably not in 1985. Not, not in 1985. But, like, the bus driver's like, hey, what are you doing? And they just go out the door. And this is amazing. Mm-hmm. They get out of the bus and they start running across cars like they're the Beatles in a hard day's night or something. <laughs> they're going across the top of the cars. And there was a huge open expanse of road right beside, like hopping over these cars carefully and daintily probably took them longer than if they just walked out of the bus onto the street and gone around the first car, you know? And so they run in at the last minute and uh, Jonathan Silverman, no, no, I'm sorry, not Jonathan Silverman, um, Shannon Doherty, who again gets massive like top billing along with these two on the DVD case even though like and, like finally reappears in the movie for a second to forge uh, a signatures on the entry papers because the, the release papers because Sarah Jessica Parker's not there to sign it you know and then um at the last minute she shows up and you know like just in time for the huge winning like time to do the, the big montage of yeah. dances you know on TV you know and Meanwhile, uh, Rhonda Shearer, uh, up all, the up all night lady, uh, has been fired or quits. She, she quits, quits because in the she's being treated like being treated cattle, like cattle, you know. And so she's so they like the, this whole show is going to shit, and the guy's like, "No, we got to get on the air," yeah. you know. And at the last minute, Sarah Jessica Parker shows up, and they can get on stage for for the the big dance number. And then we cut back to her house, and her dad is turning on the TV. And, you know, he doesn't have a remote because it's 1985 and those are still kind of amazing things. So he turns the knob on the TV and, oh, look, it's dance show. And he gets up to change the channel. And the mother, for no reason other than furthering the plot, says, let's watch a few minutes of this for no reason. Just because it reminds me of when we used to dance. And he gives her a look like, I've never danced with you. (laughs) You (laughs) Like, that's the look he has. Like, I don't remember ever dancing, you know, like, who the hell were you dancing with? But so he says, "Okay, whatever. And they're sitting and watching. And all of a sudden, the little kid who had just helped her a moment ago, calls immediate attention to, hey, look, there's Sarah Jessica Parker right on the TV, you know? And the father's like, what? And this is a live dance show going on right now. And the father is, you know, and they're in this house in Lord knows where, possibly the suburbs. Valentine? Yeah, yeah, like Lake Forest. No, not no, Lake they Forest. they would never be in Lake that's Forest. Where evil, that's where Evil Veronica's from. Yeah, and Island. they couldn't afford Lake Forest. Yeah, no, they couldn't. I, no one can afford Lake Forest in this day and age. Um, so, uh, you know, he's like, I better get down there to the studio, you know, and like, which blows my mind because I'm like, you like not, and again, not to reference it again, but not since the Blues Brothers had there been, has there been a more unrealistic concept than making it in time to stop her to the, to a studio where I don't know how he knows where the studio is. Right. It's not like they like, like here on our studio then. on this address, right. but he's going to get downtown, find a parking space and go there. Like I use, like when we lived in Chicago, it, it would take us an hour to get downtown from, like, from 20 blocks away. hmm You know, so, yeah. So, uh, you know, there's no way the dad's going to make it to the downtown Chicago area, you know, to this weird German expressionist set to stop, <laughs> to stop his daughter from uh, being with Dr. Caligari. You know, so we, you know, we, we get to that point, like, we see a bunch of, like, 
I mean, they're good dance numbers. Yeah, they're they're fine. not they're not special, and yeah. some of them are cut, obviously. To like like there's a scene where Veronica leaps off of a you know like perm Veronica leaps off of the, the off the top of the set and is caught by you know her Danny Terrio Danny Terrio kind of uh, partner, and it is obviously a cut scene because I mean. There is no momentum to her fall after she jumps from like twelve feet in the air. Yeah. He catches her and his arm his arms don't even move. Yeah. You know, like 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 there's all these Superman shots of people flying through the air in their dances, you know, and of course it comes down to, you know, and somehow, by the way, somehow the guy gets there well before it's over, the father, and he's gonna run on stage, but like someone stops him. Actually, Jonathan Silverman stops him. Yeah. And this is the one time in the movie, like, I guess this is the only reason he's actually in the movie where he serves a real purpose that isn't horrible. Because he actually stops and goes, oh, she's your daughter? She's great. Look at her. And he stops and the scales fall off his eyes. Yeah. And he suddenly becomes as supportive as working class Biff Yeager is of his son. Right. And he just, like, he's just like, oh, my daughter is an amazing 1980s slutty dancer. You know, and it comes down to a tie. You know, evil Veronica and and her her Reggie dance partner have managed to win, but only because they've got the same score as uh, you know Sarah Jessica Betty and, and Archie whoa. Archie Whoa, right? You know, so there's a sudden death, final dance, dance off, number, dance off, and they do completely new choreography now again. And oh, and the announcer makes a big deal of saying, "Oh my God, this is the fast time this has ever had. It's unprecedented a toy game." You know, put a shrimp on the barbie, you know, push my sleeves up a little further, you know. And so they have to dance again. And somehow they've got a new routine. Yeah. Like a brand new dance routine. That like they've but they were just hiding up. it in their back pocket. They, yeah, they I had that in their back pocket in case they forgot the first one, I guess. You know, so they, you know, they, they're doing their new dance routine and like, and, and you know, like they're, they're going to win. The bad guys are going to win. Their dance routine is so great. And then Sarah Jessica Parker has a moment. She turns. She looks like right at whoa and she says want to do it and obviously my mind goes, actually she says let's no do let's it. do it i'm let's sorry either way it. let's do it and i'm like right here on the floor <laughs> <laughs> like it's it really and, and it's it, quite it, suggestive it's very suggestive it's used in the trailer to great effect as well uh, you know like out of context to make this movie look a lot better um but, but essentially, like, what let's do it, what let's do let it do means. means is let's do synchronized gymnastics instead of dancing. Yes, because somehow that's what the audience, the judges wanted. And now I'll admit what they did, well, what their doubles did, what Mitch and Chuck Gaylord, the twins, did. You know, in their wigs was pretty amazing. Yeah, it was pretty good. Like it's this great bit of like, but it's floor gymnastics. It's not dancing. Right. It doesn't even really fit the meter of the song. No. It just they run across and do a bunch of flips and axles and turns and whatever's and plies and waxle. I don't know what they're called. It's really they, cute they, to watch. They you do, try to they do, do gym noodles and flippaditos. Kind of one of my favorite uh, you know, uh, moments that I've seen. Carburetors and all the you know yeah. whatever. Kind of kind of good though. Peacocks and you know, let you keep going. I'm just gonna let you keep going. <laughs> electrons and molecules <laughs> and protons. And, yeah, and, yeah, angry. Yeah, like they just they do all these instead. Like they do these amazing this this nice amazing and it's synchronized so it's it's really hard to do i i acknowledge that's whatever they did was took gr- a great deal of athleticism does, does. but it should not have won them a dance contest no. and it does they're heroes they win the chance to be on tv and just as it's over it's like now we're gonna cut to 
Oh Miss shit, Jessie. I forgot, I forgot that she walked off on us. We've got nobody. The show's ruined because I don't have that woman who delivers the news. And then Helen Hunt comes rolling out in a brand new terrible hairstyle that looks like, I don't know, like if you froze a firework in mid-explosion. And she points at people and they're like, we've got our new newswoman. And she doesn't say a thing though. No. We have no idea if she's good at it. And Doesn't we never learn. She just points at people and is like, yeah, I'm Helen Hunt. <laughs> you know, like, and everyone kind of gets together and they all have, like, I think there's a freeze frame where they're yeah, all smiling. There is. Like, and Shannon Doherty hops in like, I'm a star too, yeah. you know, even though she did even less than Jonathan Silverman in this movie. And we get our credit sequence where, you know, <laughs> like where, oh Things my God, happen. nothing happens. Nothing happens. Basically, I, I waited for the soundtrack to learn. And, and oh, and this is where I learned because I'm like, I'm watching this and I'm like, okay, I hope they list the soundtrack because I want to see, you know, who did some of these awful songs. I want to see who did that crazy party song if it's a band I've ever heard of. It was not. And then Allie says, Allie says to me, oh yeah, the number of times I listened to this soundtrack as a kid and I'm like, this movie had a soundtrack that was for sale? Oh yeah. You owned the soundtrack of this movie? It's like, oh yeah, it was one of my very favorite things and I almost ended up getting left because I immediately said, oh, that explains so much about you. <laughs> you know? So, like, Allie actually, like, and, and she's like, what? I, she's like, I knew every word to all the songs. I'm like, that's not, a, that's not that surprising. You knew every word to the songs from Over the Top. <laughs> you know, I the only one who doesn't know all the words to the song to the movies that they're suggesting apparently is me. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't learn the songs from Commando. No. Actually, next week or next episode, uh, it's my choice of movie. And there are actually going to be songs I will know the words to. Well, good for you. See? See? Now you can... Because next can... week's movie has a soundtrack so now you can well be known. part of the cool group. Uh, hint, hint. Surprise, surprise. It's from the 80s and has a, a legitimately good soundtrack. Um, so we that's the movie. It, it's, it's ended now. Um, and it's... I, I will, you know, I, well, before I say that, after the movie's over, we actually did something I like to do with crappy movies, like with their cheap DVDs, where all they have is the trailers. Oh, yeah. After I watch the movie, I like to watch the trailer, and the trailer for this movie is so much better than the movie. It's a different movie. Allie's like, Allie's like, this isn't the movie we just watched. And I'm like, I know, it's an awesome movie that we, <laughs> I would have watched a hundred times over. They make it sound so much sexier it, than it's anything like, ever happened It's like a movie. sex romp party movie. Yeah, like which a lot it's of, It's a lot of scenes from that five minutes I liked. Uh, it's, a lot of the other scenes are like, are shown out of context to be a lot more suggestive. And it has a nun doing gymnastics. You know, it has all the things that actually in this movie were worth watching yeah. in like two minutes. So I do recommend the, the trailer, you know, if anything. But now I have to ask you, formally, was this movie worth revisiting? And I'm really curious oh, to hear your answer. I don't know. I mean, yes, it was. <laughs> to, it's not your childhood. Um, yes, <laughs> it was. It was because, um, yeah, it was like I. I think you have to remember. Like I have this memory of being, you know, with my, you know, little nine-year-old girlfriends and we're hanging out and we're watching this movie and we're like oh my god he's so dreamy and you know whatever like <laughs> nobody actually ever said that i don't know we were the biggest misfits so i don't even know but you know <laughs> i want to point out that when we were all watching commando when i was a kid at least we weren't well one we weren't saying Schwarzenegger was so dreamy but we were like oh radon chong's so dreamy shut up i was joking but like my point is that like you know I, there's this thing where i mean that was like my that was what i wanted to do with my life so and, I, and this, i and i will admit shannon doherty kind of stole your career five years she really did. I mean, that should have been my life. That is, I mean, everything Shannon Doherty did up to up to nine hundred two one zero was the acting trajectory you should have had. It really should. I, have I been. apologize, and you couldn't even you couldn't even become Maura Kelly, and I'm sorry for that. <laughs> you know. So, um, but so with that in mind, for me, it was worth revisiting. If I were, would I like show this to other people? 
Clearly you will. Well, no. I mean, my point is, like, I don't think it holds up. I think that's really more what the question is, is will this hold up? Yeah. No. No, I mean, it, it's it, it's a fun little romp for me because it's a, it's a memory. It's like you know, it's a it's a nostalgic like love fest that I get to have with my you right, know early eighties experience. And but, yeah, and, and it must be fun to actually see the places of your childhood. But no, wait, no, you saw that as in every movie in the eighties. Yes, go to hell. There's not a single movie about my, that. My, I get, my, I, get, my I have rich in love. That's all I get is yeah, rich my, in love. My, my childhood is really more is really more John Hughes's than it is this. Well, but, thankfully, because John Hughes made much better movies. Yeah. So you know? let me ask you, John, was it worth watching? I don't know. It was not. Yeah, I'm not going to do an I don't know. No, it was a terrible movie. Yeah. I do not. I, I, I cannot in good conscience recommend this mm-hmm. movie. I will recommend the trailer. Or if, <laughs> uh, or and if YouTube has the party scene and only the yeah, party you scene, should totally YouTube I will recommend that. that. And barring that, just watch the fight for your right video because you're basically seeing the same thing. But it's true. With, you know, except this is much wider, <laughs> you know, like, and, uh, I'm getting there. She's trying to. She's trying to move me along as if I'm not going to natter on for a few more minutes. This is still our shortest show so far. So if I natter for five more minutes, uh, you know, we'll we'll be back on track. No, I'm just kidding. But no, no, I I can't recommend this. It it is a great snapshot of the '80s. Yes. But it's. I don't think it's not bad enough to be. It has to be seen to be believed for me. So that makes it hard for me to recommend it because it's not. It's boring and not very funny. You know, it's the jokes fall real flat. Like yeah. I can see being a kid and finding it funny. Mm-hmm. Like I understand, and I understand. There's a lot of stuff I love from the '80s that, it, like, I can't defend other than I was a child when I first saw exactly. it. Exactly. So I, that's I, really I, what this. I'm was not for judging me. you too negatively for loving it. You know, because you grew up with it. Yeah. I didn't grow up with it, and it is, frankly, a it's a slog. I mean, but I can probably. I mean, go it, it, a lot of things do happen. Watching it yeah, again. Like, yeah, I could definitely go a, a while. You know, it, it's not as tautly paced as Commando, but right. it moves faster than it over does. the top. Yes, it does. You know, over it, the top takes time, and I don't yeah, know why. It, right, it did. So you know, that's so that that you know that that's this episode of uh, a match made in space. You know, um, you know. Check us out on our website, uh, matchmadeinspace.com. No A. Uh, you can uh, email us at matchmadeinspace at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow either of us on Twitter. I'm at Hitler Puncher, i.e. one who punches Hitlers. There's a reason for that. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, at Allie, A-L-I underscore Goodman. Um, so you can follow me for that as well. And maybe at some point in the distant future or near future, we'll get a Twitter, Twitter handle. Yeah. Twitter. It'll probably be at Match Made in Space or something shorter because yeah. that's probably too long. Probably. We'll let you know if we ever do. We'll probably get a Tumblr or something up too if we ever get our crap together. You know, As of today, I just made the logo. So <laughs> you know, the, the website's going to get launched and then you're going to get a wonderful lag time before you ever hear this exactly. um, but uh yeah but, so yeah. that's 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 us uh this, and this is, this is a match, match made, made in space, space. Uh, signing off adios, adios.